Hello, listeners. I have a request. If you listening are the type of person who would make a great guest on my podcast, go to my website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com forward slash podcast and apply. If you know somebody who you think would be a great person, email me at gregory at rebelliouswellnessover50.com. I so appreciate you. Now, Yogi Aaron, the yogi who says that stretching is bad for us. Now, really? Like, how could I not interview this guy? It was a really fun conversation, and he makes a lot of sense. Just today, I tweaked my back, and the first thing I wanted to do was stretch, and I thought, oh no, Yogi said it's bad for me, and here's why. So I did something else, and you know what? My back's feeling a lot better. Listen in. This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. Today, I'm super excited. My guest is named Yogi Aaron, and you can see him. He's all excited, too, when we're on YouTube. Um, why am I excited to have another yoga person? Because, you know, I've done a number of yoga interviews, each with a different style of yoga. I think that it's not so much Yogi's style as it is his point of view about yoga and stretching. And we're going to get into that. Now, stretching is bad for us. Now, people, doesn't it feel good when we stretch? I mean, come on. Anyway, Yogi's going to tell us all about it after he tells us how he became Yogi Aaron. What was the draw to get into yoga for you? Well, thank you for having me here. I feel honored to at least contribute to the conversation. I got into yoga when I was 18 years old, and I was a very athletic kind of person who was very into sports. I used my body a lot. I went to an all-boys boarding school in Canada. So we dog sled, snowshoed, uh, canoed, hiked in the mountains. I mean, you name it, we did it. I was a long-distance runner. And I was starting to notice that I was really suffering from tight hamstrings. And so as by the time I was 18, I was like, I really should stretch. My mother was into yoga. And I thought, okay, I'll start doing yoga. The interesting thing was that the moment I started doing yoga and started stretching, one day my back went out. And hmm. when I say went out, I mean like it seized up. It was some heavy boxes and um, my back seized up on me. And, and so I thought, okay, I need to stretch more. Because I always thought for me, yoga equated stretching and flexibility. If you want to become more flexible, do yoga. I think like most people in the world, like I did a poll one time and I found that most people equate flexibility to being healthy, to mm. be younger. You know, we see these pictures of these, especially like, you know, of these Indian boys doing like these stretches and they're all like, you know, beautiful and healthy looking. And then we look at the cover of yoga journal and it's like some person 
in a tight outfit that's doing this pose and oh we want to look like that and i think that's a general consensus with most people i started getting into yoga and i started hurting myself it took me 25 years to like connect the dots that maybe it was the stretching that was doing it i remember the first time i really hurt myself was right around 29 and for me at that moment it was a critical moment because then yoga became something more than just a physical practice i was introduced to my teacher at that moment and it became much more of a spiritual but <laughs> being an egotistical arrogant 29 year old it was very much still a part of the physical practice and that's how i define myself but then as time went on, I just kept hurting myself. Different things kept coming up, like I tore my hamstrings. I had serious knee issues. I had to hang up my hiking shoes by the time I turned 30. That's sad to me. It was very sad. I had chronic lower back pain. I mean, my back pain is, is like a whole drama <laughs> unto itself. And I also developed searing neck pain that would come and go and it would shoot like this horrible knife-like pain down my arm into my fingertips. And it just took years to kind of like figure it out. I would go to doctors, I would go to massage therapists and, and other yoga teachers. And the solution was always, we need to stretch. We need to open the shoulder girdle. We need to open the hips. And it wasn't until I was around 45 that I ended up in the surgeon's office. It was an orthopedic surgeon who said to me, you're going to probably need a spinal fusion in mm. your lower back. And that was, I can't even begin to tell you, Greg, like how that affected my ego. Here I am, <laughs> this very strong yoga teacher. And I was very adamant about my alignment. Um, I, I did everything I was told to. I'm very A-type that way. Like you tell me to do something, I'm like on it. And so here I, I thought I was following all the right things to do. And I just discovered like, no, it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, that kind of led me into the whole journey of muscle activation technique and kind of brought me into the path that I'm on right now. And so you didn't have surgery. I did not have surgery right. to date. I haven't had any real surgeries for any of my chronic pain stuff. I can tell you that numerous yoga teachers, senior yoga teachers have had hip replacements, knee replacements, knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries. Um, even a few of my best friends have had spinal fusions and hip replacements. So it's, it's very common in <laughs> sort of our yoga world that people are dealing with this thing. Interesting. So I'm going back to an interview with a couple who do fascia stretching, not rolling, mm -hmm. but stretching. And I'm wondering, I know that the opposite of opening, like heart opening, hip opening, all those things, we have to then do something on the other side, right? We have to bring the muscle back into almost a contraction. Your yoga, does it include those things, fascia, anything, and or the opposites of many of the yoga poses, which are extensions? So... I'm, I, I, no, the short answer is no. And I don't like to, to comment so much on the other styles. I like to try and stick in my lane. Okay. Yeah, that's as fine. As much as, as I can, I can only just tell you what stretching will do. 
And then, you know, it's kind of like up to the listener to start putting two and two together um, if they want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So I have watched a couple of your videos. And when you're in a pose, let's say one arm is extended, the leg is back, or doing, you know, puppy, or that still looks to me like a stretching kind of pose. I'm like elongating. So tell me what the difference is. What do you hear or what do you see when you say the word stretching? Because maybe it's not the same as what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> it's kind of interesting because I, I find like a lot of people are using this word dynamic stretching and they don't actually know what they're talking about. Um, so it's it's kind of important to get languaging it. But it's also interesting too. like if I'm because we're seeing each other right now on video. And so you can watch me. And if I kind of open my chest and bring my arms back, you might go, oh, Aaron is doing a nice stretch. Um, what I'm doing in my mind is actually shortening my tricep muscle and rhomboid muscle. But it, then, of course, because my chest is opening, you translate that into a, a stretch. So it just depends on sort of how we're doing the movement and in what capacity and what our intention is. A lot of people's intentions when they're doing a pose is to literally lengthen a muscle. And so I would define a stretch anytime that we're intentionally trying to lengthen a muscle. Um, so when I just use that example of me, you know, opening my chest, I wasn't actually intentionally opening my chest. What I'm intentionally doing is squeezing my shoulder blades together to activate my rhomboids and activate my middle trap muscles. So if I bring my arms out like this, bring them back. And so this is one of the fundamental tenets of what we teach and, and how I teach yoga now isn't so much about what muscle is lengthening. It's more about what muscle is contracting. And the reason why that's important is because a muscle's function a muscle has basically two functions. I mean, sure, it has others. These are the two top ones. Main function of a muscle is to move bones and then also to stabilize joints. So we're talking about back pain a lot, my chronic back pain. Well, one of the reasons why I had chronic back pain, there's a few, but at the top of the list, the muscles that were responsible for stabilizing and holding my vertebrae together were not working. They were just like kind of hanging out there. <laughs> and that was creating all kinds of problems. And it's fair to say, uh, for the most part, that that's what, why most people are suffering lower back pain is because they have the vertebrae just kind of hanging out there and they're not stabilized. They're not held in place by the muscles that are supporting them. So when we come into a pose, what I always focus on is what are the muscles shortening? So if we do, say, for example, a famous yoga pose is called triangle pose. Mm. Um, I did it this so, morning. Yeah. So when you come over to the side, the, the way that it's normally cued is to everybody, we're going to stretch. So if I'm coming on the left side, we're focusing on stretching the right side. But if you're in my class, the way I would cue it would be a little bit different. But one of the things I would emphasize then is like, okay, if we're coming to the left, squeeze your left shoulder to your left hip bone so you can feel the oblique muscles engaging. And one of the very funny things to me, to be honest with you, is that you and I, when we were in grade school, 
you and I both learned a really important lesson about muscles. And it's kind of a universal truth. It's this relationship of muscles that when one muscle is engaging, the other muscle, the opposite one is, is releasing, is elongating. And that's how the body functions. One side has to contract while the other side has to relax. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like, I really, we really imbibe that philosophy so that if I am engaging properly through the left side, as I come into triangle pose, the right side will just start to release, open, relax all on its own. But that's never the focus. The focus is engage the left side and let's start to breathe more fully into the lungs. So always combining breath with the movements and trying to get still. And if we get those muscles working properly, not only do we increase range of motion, um, but we also increase the stability. So if you have most people follow the instructions of the teacher and come right out and then bring the hand down to the ground, if you ask most of those people to lift the hand just a little bit off the ground, they couldn't do it. Or if they did, most of them would really hurt themselves. They would start straining their hamstrings, the backs of their knees. They would strain their lower back because the muscles that are responsible for holding the body there are not working properly. So the body is going to start compensating and, draw, and recruiting other muscles that have no business <laughs> holding the body in that position. And then that's how the pain cycle exacerbates and perpetuates. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and your thing, one of your things is pain-free living. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and I have, I, I'm not asking you to speak outside your lane. I'm just going to suggest that there have been times where conflicting information, like don't hold a pose into pain, but stress on the other hand, like a little bit of discomfort, because that will eventually move you into the posture better, or you'll be able to hold it longer or whatever. I never really liked that idea because I feel like I'm on the verge of hurting myself. Yeah. Um, would you say that a feeling of stress or discomfort is okay? Or should we back off a pose? There's so much to unpack in that statement. <laughs> we have uh, time. We have time. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much to unpack. So before I get too off track, hopefully I'll circle back to this. Sometimes I, I get lost, but the answer is we should never be causing ourselves. Pain is the check engine light of the body that is telling us something is wrong. So, you know, like one time I was in a car, I was in a taxi and I was getting a ride to the airport and his check engine light was on. And I asked him, I said, do you know your check engine lights on? And he's like, I ah, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh my God, Jesus, please let me get to the airport on time. But that's how we are in life. Like we have this little pain in our knee and there's the old expression, walk it out, mm. <laughs> work itself out. The thing is in yoga specifically, a lot of yoga teachers say, listen to your body. Your body will tell you. And in the same breath, the teacher is sitting in the front of the room going to the full quote unquote expression of the posture and telling you that pain is something of your mind that you need to push through the pain. And so there's that old adage of no pain, no gain. I'm starting to take more and more umbrage with this kind of idea of listening to our bodies 
Not because I don't think we should. I do think we should listen, but I think that we need to educate ourselves on what our bodies or how our bodies are speaking to us. And, you know, it's kind of like you telling me, Aaron, you know, listen to that person speaking Japanese. Well, I can listen to them, but I have no idea what they're saying. And, And so many of us are listening to our bodies and we have no idea In yoga, they say, well, if you're in pain or if you need to take a break, drop into child's pose. But child's pose is actually the worst yoga pose you can do out of all the yoga. No, no, don't take my child's pose away from me. I'm sorry. It does feel good. But it's I always say just because something feels good doesn't necessarily mean it is good. Drinking a bottle of wine feels good. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) Well, maybe not all in one sitting, though. (laughs) <laughs> not, all, not anymore anyway <laughs> well i mean it feel maybe in the moment it can feel yeah, good. i know what you're saying an hour later two hours or yeah. 12 hours later it really hurts us and so just because something feels good doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it and stretching you know one of the things that you said right at the top of the show when you introduced me was that stretching feels so good for you and it does i mean it does for the most part when we stretch there is a parasympathetic response in the body that is amazing and our system goes from fight or flight to rest and digest i'm not going to argue that point at all um in child's pose i used to do five minute child's pose as part of my nighttime practice and it really calmed my mind down in enormous ways But the problem is, is that it just shuts down so many muscles in the body that when you come out of child's pose, you're literally physically disabled and disabled, meaning that your neuromuscular system has become impaired so that when we stretch, your brain becomes disconnected from the muscle, that our sense of proprioception is no longer there our brain no longer knows where those muscles are and so if you go to do something like sometimes stand up you start recruiting (laughs) other muscles that shouldn't be doing the job and that's when sort of things start to fall apart is because the wrong muscles are doing the work of the major muscles that should be doing the work to stabilize the joints and to move bones Hmm. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm going to make peace with that. It's like relaxing into pigeon. It's something I've been trying to do. It's like an oxymoron. Okay. Well, let me kind of explain, like, here's something to kind of chew on is you said kind of relaxing into pigeon. So and there's kind of a couple of ways that I explain this, but the reason why we have tight muscles is because the body senses instability because muscles are not doing their job. And so the brain goes, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. So for example, when I started telling you my yoga story, I was saying that I had very tight hamstrings. Well, from the law of reciprocation, um, antagonist and agonist, the opposite muscle, it was because my quads were not contracting properly. They did not have that ability to contract and contract on demand. So when I tried to fold forward and touch my toes, my core muscles were not shortening properly. And my 
my quads were not shortening properly. And that showed up as a tight lower back and tight hamstrings. And so I didn't have the wisdom to understand that my hamstrings were tightening because my body was feeling unstable. My brain was sensing instability and it was saying, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. It's the same as when you walk out on ice. If you step out on ice and you start to slip and you go, ooh, and you immediately tighten up. It's a physiological response. Um, and one of the things I say in my podcast is imagine that you're kind of at the grocery store and you're looking at the vegetable section. I don't know why I pick vegetables, but I did. And so all of a sudden, a stranger comes up behind you and wraps their arms around you and whispers into your ear, guess who it is? You know, your immediate response is to tighten up. And then probably your second response is to hit them. Hit them, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm from New York. I'm going for the punch. But, but sometimes what they'll do is they'll say, just relax. And that's what we do when we're stretching and tightening up as a protective mechanism. We're trying to tell it, just relax. Don't worry. Well, of course, it's it's not going to relax because it doesn't feel safe. And mm. so from our perspective, then the question is like you were talking about tight hips. Well, the question is then why are the hips tight? If you feel that they're tight, why are the hips tight? Let's start to look at the muscles that should be properly shortening to see if we can start to get more range of motion in the hips. So when I was talking about relaxing into pigeon, I was actually talking about hips. Yes. Okay. okay. Just making yeah. that connection. <laughs> well, pigeon is normally like one of these kinds of hip openers that people do to quote unquote, open the hips. And it's kind of interesting for me from a muscle function perspective, that if we really look at what a muscle's function is to shorten, a muscle has to shorten to move bones and to stabilize joints. And so when we're talking about hip openers, and this is like quite the rage, I mean, you can go onto YouTube and, and Facebook and see, you know, the key to opening hips, how to open yep. your hips, five secrets to opening your hips. And you think like from a biomechanical perspective, if I'm talking about opening the hips, what I'm really talking about is dislocating my hips. And is that really <laughs> how I want to walk through life? Because if the muscles are lengthening, that means that the hips are no longer stable. Mm. And so I don't teach quote unquote hip openers anymore. I do teach hip stabilizers. And when the muscles around the hips are working properly, we have more stability. And if we have more stability, we actually have more range of motion. And I would imagine that that would help. One of the big things for women in my world, many are over 60 never mind over 50. And stability is something that I rag on about a lot. You know, work your core, learn your balance, do your stand on one foot exercises, all those things, because it's really important to keep us upright as we age. So if we have more stability from the kind of yoga you're talking about practicing, that seems like I could put that in the good column of things for us to do. Yeah. So is there no more lizard in my future either? <laughs> You've taken away child pose. I'm questioning pigeon. <laughs> I'm thinking lizards probably in the same category. 
I have a feeling I've completely ruined your yoga practice. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm open to new experiences, to new ways of thinking, uh, which is why I have this podcast, because never mind that I bring the audience people, I learn so much. And since I get to ask the questions, I get to pretty much satisfy my need to understand in a certain way. It may not help everybody. I certainly hope it does. Um, now about this pain-free life, you talk about becoming fearless, living limitless, and how being pain-free helps you with your life purpose. Can you explain yes. that? Yeah. So I was talking about hiking before, how I had to hang up my hiking shoes. For me, hiking, being in nature is when I really feel I'm living in my purpose. It's one part of living my purpose. And for many people, we have dreams, we have aspirations, you know, we want to make trips, we want to start community projects, we want to do things that are in alignment with our purpose. But if we're in chronic pain, how can we go and do that? Mm, good point. And we're starting to see this epidemic of people more and more that are experiencing chronic pain and really struggling to do the things that they want to do. And my own story of chronic pain, when I have been in pain, I felt so disabilitated, debilitated, and it just saps my life force energy. And when I have experienced that chronic pain, everything in my life then becomes about that pain. How do I get mm. rid of it? How do I feel better? Yeah. And from a yogic perspective, then all of my energy, all of my mental energy and my prana, my life force energy is directed there rather than being directed to living my life purpose and doing the things that I really am being called to do. So part of yoga philosophy is actually from an asana perspective, from a yoga posture perspective is how do we get more stable in our body and stability? You and I could talk for the next month about what stability means and, you know, different practices to get more stable. So it's a big topic. But from one of the perspectives, two of the ideas is that, that we're able to start to become at peace within our body. And I believe that part of becoming at peace within our body is feeling that sense of inner strength and confidence in your body. I know in my chronic pain history that when I've hurt my back, I begin to doubt myself and not mm. trust in myself. And I just start to move more cautiously. And I start to recruit the wrong muscles and compensate. And then that starts to create its own set of problems, of course. Yeah. So I really believe that one of the critical steps into us living our life purpose is to take care of our body. And I don't want to get into like the whole, you know, health and, you know, aspect. I stay in my lane that partly means let's make sure that our neuromuscular system is working properly, that the brain is connected to the muscles, all of the muscles of the body, that our, our body is being used properly. And so that the check engine light doesn't come back on. <laughs> I love that check engine light. That's awesome. <laughs> now, if somebody wanted to learn more about this, I'm going to plug your book, Stop Stretching. Time to Stop the Flexibility Madness, he says. Uh, so for anybody that wants to restore balance to their body through yoga and begin their pain-free journey, they can find this, buy this on your website. Yeah. 
Which is yeah, Yogi I mean, Aaron, all one word, two A's, one I, not in that order, dot com. <laughs> I'll figure it out, Yogi. <laughs> <laughs> or or just go to Amazon and search stop stretching, and then you know the book will come up as well. Now, is there in your book, is there an explanation of safe things to do? Yeah, yeah. The first part of the book is to talk about my own pain experience journey and then what I did about it and how that led me to this idea of stop stretching. And then what I call the Ayama approach, applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation approach. And it also then goes into starting to break down like the seven major muscle groups, talks about what they do. A lot of people don't understand muscle function. So part of my goal is in a very easy and digestible way to give people like a chance to understand, okay, when I turn, it's the trunk rotators. And what are those trunk rotators? And then how do I start to activate them? Uh, so everything that I'm teaching is accessible to everybody. There's nothing that I'm teaching that's advanced. There's modifications, but one of the main ideas of the Ayama approach too is A, slow down, <laughs> mm. is to B, really start to feel the muscles. So if you're doing a muscle activation, say for your lower back and your lower back muscles, primarily like the longissimus, there's a very simple muscle activation to do for that. And so there's the invitation, take your hands behind your back, feel that muscle engaging. Now, not only are you building that brain to muscle connection, but you're also building that mind body connection, which is why this approach works so well. Because in yoga, what we're learning about is this mind body connection. And so that's a big part of the book as well is is giving people a chance to have a different relationship with themselves without any smoke and mirrors. One of the things about my approach is there's no smoke and mirrors. It's just, just kind of do the practice and do it to the best of your ability, slow down, be gentle with yourself and, and you just watch your body get stronger. Which I was going to ask next, obviously these kinds of practices want to lead us somewhere, right? Most people don't get on the mat just to get on the mat. Some do. It's spiritual more than it is even the physical. In the book, it sounds like somebody could really understand what each muscle does is like a precursor to wanting to have that muscle do what it's there to do. Does that make sense? Like sometimes I'll be in warrior three. I'm like, man, my leg is strong. This is really good. I didn't even tip over. But I don't know which muscle's holding me up, to be honest. I do things differently when I understand actually what's going on. So maybe there are other people listening that will find that as well. Yeah. Well, and also, too, it's, it's about learning. Again, it's teaching ourselves the language of our body. So many of us rely on, you know, and reasonably so. We rely on doctors. We have some sort of something going on. We go to our doctor to tell us what our bodies are saying to us. And that's very normal I would like to give people more accessible information, like digestible information that they can start to go, oh, I have this pain in my inner groin. What have I learned from the Siyama approach? Well, the pain is there because there's an instability and it's probably because the opposite muscles are not working properly. So if I get those muscles, the opposite muscle contracting properly, the inner groin pain is going to go away. And that actually happened to me yesterday. I went on this big hike 
yesterday morning, came back home and I was just moving around my place, doing some stuff, cleaning. And I noticed like this intense growing pain all of a sudden. And you know what's funny? My initial response was, okay, just walk it out. <laughs> old habits so, die hard, right? It's, it's so ingrained in yeah. me. And I just stopped and I went, okay, what would happen if I engaged my abductors, my, my medial glutes right now? And then I did that and the pain was like gone instantaneously. Mm. Wow. And it's just fascinating to me because had I taken my old approach, which would have been to stop and try and stretch it out and which I've done in the past, the pain usually gets worse <laughs> and then I need to stop and I need to rest. And so what I'm hoping to do is, is give people the chance to learn a little bit about their body and try to understand how their body is speaking to them from a biomechanical perspective. <laughs> there's one yoga teacher that I have. I have the Peloton app. So there's all these yoga classes and he's all about biomechanics. So I learn a lot from listening to him because he's sort of a geek about it. It's not just the practice. It's like, and if you really want to know what's going on right now. So I have a little bit of information, but yours is more easily accessible from what I've heard so far. And I want to just mention, relate this to whole body wellness, functional medicine docs, different than maybe Western medicine docs. And I know you didn't want to go down the health thing, so I will. We, they talk about rather than looking at the thing, right? Maybe you have an insulin resistance problem or you're diabetic. What's happening upstream? And upstream is usually lifestyle. So what you just said was you had a pain in your groin and you talked about the opposite muscle. That's the upstream thing. We can see what's going to happen downstream. If you kept walking it out, you would have had more pain. And if we don't take care of the lifestyle or something else that's going wrong, that's creating this condition, then yeah. the person doesn't get well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I really do think getting in touch with understanding your body in the way you're talking about it will eventually help with other lifestyle things. Like if yes. we start taking care of one thing, we almost want to do a little bit more about something else, I find. Yeah. And I was working on a student of mine just recently who's been following my yama approach pretty consistently for years. She's a huge advocate. She's a 61 year old woman. She was visiting me and asked me if I could do a muscle activation technique treatment. So it's like using the muscle activation, but doing it manually. At the beginning of the session, I was checking her range of motion because that's one of the ways that we check for muscle weakness and her arm, she's had chronic issues in her left arm. And she could only bring her left arm about 70 degrees up. And at the beginning of the session, and I was going to work on the arm, but I got so distracted because she had so much other stuff going on in her hips and knees and lower back. So I ended up spending like an hour and 45 minutes working there. And what was very interesting to me was halfway through the session, I went and I checked her arm and it got about 10 more degrees of range of motion. Mm. At the end of the session, she had her arm all the way back on the table. And what was interesting for me, it goes back to that adage of like, we don't ask, you know, and I, I'm pointing the finger now, not only the yoga world, but the fitness world and chiropractic world. Very few people ask the real question, why is the body tight? And we often treat the tightness as the problem, not the symptom. And so we kind of like put a, put a Band-Aid or take an aspirin to fix the problem, but we don't actually 
get to the root of it, which from a neuromuscular standpoint, it's due to instability. It's because the brain isn't connecting to the whole body. So it's just telling parts of the body, okay, what it can tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. And so going to what you just said about, you know, going upstream, it's so true. And that's what I love about this system. It's starting to address things before they become a problem downstream. Mm-hmm. Which goes to the point about women not asking for help or something when they first feel pain or they first get fatigue, or they first yeah. find like rather than throwing the baby out with like, I'm not taking yoga anymore because it hurts my back. Yeah. Maybe there's something else to be done. And, you know, before somebody who has chronic pain right now takes a class with you, I would say they should check in with themselves and be cognizant of what they're going to be able to do and not, right? Yeah. They, we are the ones responsible for, if you're not in the room with us, and I'm going to talk about the yogi club in a second, if we're not in the room together, we have to say, as we started, you know, two thirds of the call ago, to talk about no pain, no gain is not the way, right? So we, we have to be ready to back off and go slower, as you said. So I, I just kind of just say one thing about that, because yeah, one of the principles of Ayama is less is more. Mm. And when we're looking at healing the neuromuscular system, what we don't want to happen or do is approach these muscle activation techniques with that weekend warrior attitude, because it's just not going to work. We're not going to heal that neuromuscular connection. Um, just really quickly, like there was one moment when I hurt my back really badly. It was really my own stupidity, to be honest, but that's another story. And so I could barely move, but I still did the muscle activations. But I just, for example, Superman pose is one of them to get the back muscles working. And I needed those back muscles working. But instead of trying to lift my legs up as high as I could, I only focused on lifting my legs up and my chest up like a quarter of an inch, not mm-hmm. even a quarter of an inch. Mm-hmm. And so less is always more. And that's such an important paradigm to have when we're approaching not just yoga, but especially these kinds of practices. If you are in chronic pain, you can start to move through it, but you just have to move intelligently, slowly, and remember less is more. And rest is such an important part of the equation. (laughs) Mm, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So I love the idea of the Yogi Club online. People can join monthly and do classes with you. Tell us about the Yogi Club. Uh, the Yogi Club is something I've been working on and, and had created like a few years ago. I actually created it during the pandemic. And I started putting a lot of just different things into it. I've created like a 28-day affirmation series. There's a chakra course, a full-on like chakra course. There's a back pain course. There's just a lot of just different things. And I've also been I also consistently put new classes, uh, new hacks and tricks and techniques. I just uploaded a seven day course on how to become pain free in your neck. Mm. And it's one of the only kind of like neck uh, rehabilitation things that I've ever seen out there. So it's one of the reasons why I put it out there um, because it's a very comprehensive approach to starting to get a stronger uh, next. So there's a lot of just different classes out there. I don't do live classes. I just upload a lot of new classes. So there's like a lot of 
um, things for people to take advantage of. There's 15 minute classes, there's 30 minutes, there's 60 minutes. One of the things I'm really proud of that we created was a 15 days to become pain-free. So we call it the dare to be pain-free challenge. Nice. I like it. I like it. <laughs> no, I was just going to say in one of the classes or one of the days is actually the day to do nothing. We teach a yoga relaxation called yoga nidra. So again, mm. rest is really important. This is one of the ways that we try to emphasize that. <laughs> I so wish I could do a yoga nidra class, but I do not have, that's just not my makeup or something. I find that I just want to get out of the post. You know, I want to get up. I want to get off the mat. I don't want a blanket. I'm tired of breathing. <laughs> I literally came in this way. I try. I really try. But I have learned to breathe. Um, so you're down in what, Costa Rica? Yes, I'm in Costa Rica. I live here full time. And it's where my yoga retreat is located. And you do yoga training, yoga teacher training, teacher training. <laughs> yes. That's a mouthful, yoga teacher training. <laughs> I do. I lead yoga teacher trainings. I've been doing them for probably about 13 years now. And for the last four years or so, we've been implementing the Ayama system. So that's where I do deep Ayama yoga immersion dives. But one of the things, since you brought it up, one of the things I just want to say is that a lot of people do yoga teacher training, not just to become a teacher, but also just to have like a yoga immersive experience. Mm -hmm. What would it be like to just embody the yoga practice for 14 days or 28 days? So it's not, it's really a powerful program. And especially for people that are like, just kind of going through stuff or questioning things in their life. It's one of the places that people always find answers to their questions. So how would you like to, what do you want to leave people with? Give my women something to chew on. I, you know, you brought up something just earlier and I think it's just so invaluable, like asking questions and just trusting that inner intuition, that inner guide because the one who knows is always present. You know, you can call it God, you can call it the divine wisdom, you can call it intuition. But the more that we ignore it, the more it becomes quiet. Mm. It's just like the little child that has been scolded so much that that child has lost its joy and its ability to create and their ability to emote. And I find that inner wisdom is like that. And so learning to listen and respect that inner voice is so important, so invaluable. So I really appreciated that you said that. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that idea. You're, you're right. It's always there. It's just whether we choose to tap in. And yeah. every day I have to say, please remind me to tap in because <laughs> it's early in the morning. It's easy. Late at night, it's easy going to bed, but it's that middle of the day that you get running and there's so much guidance. When I do tap in on a regular basis throughout the day, my day is that much easier. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been really informative and interesting and fun. And I thank you so much for your time, Aaron. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. It's been wonderful being here. Yeah. Uh, everybody, I'll be back next week with another fabulous guest and you'll be well till then. 
Hey peeps, before you run, in case you're not 100% sure you're doing everything you can to age as well as you can, which means you'll feel better longer, you might want to check out my Age Better Lifestyle Assessment. It will give us a clear picture of where you are now and what small changes you might want or need to make to improve how you feel, how you look, and how you age. Check it out at rebelliouswellnessover50.com in the Work With Greg section. Thanks.